Welcome to Unbreak Your Health, the podcast program about the world of hope and health known as complementary and alternative medicine. I'm Alan Smith in Plano, Texas, author of Unbreak Your Health. Today our topic is art therapy, and our guest is Dr. Patricia Isis, board-certified and registered art therapist and licensed mental health counselor who's been practicing art therapy for 30 years. And she's also the spokesman for the American Art Therapy Association. Dr. Isis, how long has art therapy been around? The American Art Therapist Association has been around since 1969. So art therapy as a profession really isn't that old, relatively speaking. What exactly is art therapy? Well, it's a mental health profession. It's most closely aligned to the counseling profession. But art therapy embraces all theories of counseling and therapy, using the arts primarily. It uses the creative process of art and art making to improve and enhance one's emotional, physical, and mental well-being. Art therapy, or I guess using art as a form of therapy, actually goes back hundreds if not thousands of years, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Back to the caveman and how they communicated with drawings on the walls. Certainly. It was one of the primary forms of communication way back then. Are art therapists and professionals trained in both art and therapy? Yes. But on the graduate level, you can only practice art therapy if you have a master's degree in art therapy. So how is the creative process of art involved in healing and life enhancing? Well, basically, when one is creating, one is bringing order to chaos. One is bringing containment and a symbol that's congruent with their inner language so that they can relate to their own experience in a way that's more tangible and in a way that gives them a sense of empowerment. It just dawns on me that for people who have a hard time putting things into words or even recognizing their own feelings, art therapy is a great tool, isn't it? It is so valuable on so many levels, and certainly those who are less comfortable with verbal interactions or have trouble, like you said, articulating, particularly with young children or in the cases of trauma or grief, any kind of pain or suffering that is very difficult to describe. Art therapy can allow that individual or group or family or couple opportunity to ventilate and bring form to their suffering. And then someone else that's witnessing, and at this, what we're talking about, which would be a trained art therapist, can then see how the experience is authentically for that person. Is there an age limit for art therapy? No, there isn't. As long as you can hold some kind of art-making material, and there are pre-art materials for young children, like sand and, and more textured and tactile materials. And then for the older adult, certainly it depends on their functioning level. Really, anyone can benefit in any setting. It's really uh, generic that way, because art can be designed to cater to functioning levels, goals, treatment plans. It's so abundant and expansive that way. It really just depends on what the person is comfortable with. The question I know on many people's minds is, do you have to have any artistic talent in order to participate in art therapy? That is a common question, and I am so happy you asked it. You do not, I repeat, you do not have to have any artistic talent, any artistic experience. You don't even have to like art to benefit from art therapy. I know a lot of people who have had bad experiences in elementary school with an art teacher who didn't like their drawings. 
and they felt that they couldn't draw ever again. And in fact, that traumatized them. So that is not something that's important. Art therapy is about accessing your creativity, your ability to express yourself in the way that you feel comfortable. So any number of materials are open and available as well. You don't have to draw necessarily. You can collage. You can create forms out of sound objects. You can make photographs. It's really up to that individual and their comfort level. Is art therapy used just with individuals, or is it also used with groups and even like families? Yes, it's used with individuals, groups, families, couples, communities. I've practiced with large groups of doctors, nurses, multiple families at the same time. Yeah, it's quite accessible and variable. Who's a really good candidate for art therapy? Anybody who's willing to allow themselves to access a deeper side of themselves and is willing to have an experience rather than just relying on verbal expression. I've heard art therapy called medicine for the mind, but isn't it also for the spirit as well? Yes, it's for the entire being of that person. Absolutely. Art therapy touches every core of that person's being. Now, it can also be used with people who are not insight-oriented people that are perhaps very young or are low cognitively. And in that way, the art would be, the art making in and of itself is healing. There's really two essential schools of thought with art therapy, although it's expanded beyond that. But early in the profession, there's art as therapy, which is the art making in and of itself, the creative process, is therapeutic. And there's art as a tool for psychotherapy, where the art making is not only therapeutic in and of itself, but it's useful as a catalyst for self-discovery and change. So depending on the functioning level and the goals of the people that are seeking this type of treatment, they're both healing and they overlap each other. Sounds like there's quite a synergy between the two different facets. Yes, there is. And you may know just in your own life, we all gravitate to some creative work. We don't always realize it, whether it's gardening or cooking or rearranging your living room. Very simple tasks that we may be doing ritually and not really realizing how important they are to us and how healing they become to us. And that's really where you start with the individuals, where their strengths are and where their comfort zone is. And so you're working from a place of talent already. That's also one of the nice things about art therapy is that it's not necessarily focused on the pathology, but more on the values, the positive parts of that individual, and helping them see those parts. I've heard that art therapy helps resolve conflicts and problems, develop interpersonal skills, manage behavior, reduce stress, increase self-esteem and self-awareness, even achieve insight. What other types of problems is art therapy especially beneficial for? Well, you touched on a myriad of issues I mean, I could give you all sorts of you know, problem-solving, decision-making. I mean, I work full-time in a public school program, and art therapy is used specifically to help those students who are emotionally and behaviorally challenged to access their education through increased concentration. And that's certainly helpful to anybody nowadays. Decision-making, listening skills, gosh, I mean, it's wonderful for communication enhancement, for any kind of inner work bridging, for assessment, 
in terms of where that person really sees themselves. Art therapy is also used in hospitals for prognostic beliefs. You can see where a patient really thinks they are in their process of healing or not. It's used extensively. I mean, that question, I could make a list, a Chinese laundry list. (laughs) (laughs) I just could go on and on. It's so beneficial in so many different ways. Also for research purposes, art is very helpful. It's also used in forensic work very often for testifying and using drawings as evidence. There's so many possibilities. I don't know if you realize this, but recently art therapy has been used in Saudi Arabia to help convert terrorists to peacemakers. I don't know if you were aware of that. There's an article about that on the website, on the American Art Therapy Association website. That's pretty fascinating, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And no, I had not caught that yet. <laughs> yes. But you That's did touch... quite profound, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> you did touch on a point in your last answer. I had read that a lot of hospitals are using art therapy, and that, in fact, it's one of the most popular types of camp therapies being used in hospitals today. That is correct. I also do some work in hospitals as well and have for many years. There is Arts and Healthcare, which is a national association, which promotes the use of all the arts as therapy in the hospitals. It's very, very commonly used with cancer patients. In fact, there's some wonderful research being done in Philadelphia for the last five years through the National Institute of Health with breast cancer patients. A woman named Caroline Peterson at Thomas Jefferson Hospital is using mindfulness-based art therapy groups and has found, uh, along with a medical doctor, that the art therapy has made a significant impact on the treatment of these breast cancer patients along with traditional medical approaches. There is some amazing work going on with art therapy in medical settings, bedside as well as outpatient, not just with cancer but also with cardiac patients, Alzheimer's. There's more and more research available in those areas as well. It's very exciting work. I'm actually on an arts and healthcare advisory committee down here at South Miami Hospital, and our job is to infuse the arts into the healthcare model. And we actually have an art cart on the oncology unit, in the radiation therapy waiting room, and on the NIC, the NICU for the preemie families. And what we found is enough research that substantiates the fact that a creative act helps certainly lower stress levels. So we know this because there were some saliva studies where the measurement of cortisol levels was taken before and after a very structured creative act, such as maybe a sun catcher. You know what that is? So It's something very structured. You paint it in already um, pre-built pieces. And what they found was in each case, the cortisol levels significantly were lower after the art task, if you could imagine that. So something as simple as that is quite valuable, and for the families as well. And it's fun. Listeners, if you're enjoying this podcast, then you'll love my new book. The second edition of How to Unbreak Your Health is your map to the world of complementary and alternative therapies. It features a new user-friendly format and 339 new and updated listings in 150 different categories. And you can get it on Amazon.com or at your local bookstore. You'd mentioned that it's used in schools. Where else is art therapy being used today? Well, again, extensively. I could list several prisons. It's being used more and more. Like I said, public schools, private schools, substance abuse units, eating disorder clinics, inpatient and outpatient, 
certainly in private practice, as I maintain one of those, so people come in specifically for art therapy for all sorts of issues. It's used, let's say, community centers, some places you might not imagine, like, for example, in a funeral home. Art therapy has been used there and still is. In waiting rooms, outpatient, pediatric offices. More and more also the open art studio is a piece that's been coming up more and more in terms of community awareness and art for service. It's been used in homeless shelters and also in storefronts where homeless people could come and make art and sell their art and have money as a result. It's been used in Salvation Army stores and things like that. So more and more it's becoming actually global and service-oriented with the troops. Art therapy is being used quite a bit with post-traumatic stress disorder as the troops begin to come back from Afghanistan, coming and going, and Iraq. So it's expansive, like I said. What should a new client expect during their first session of art therapy? You know, it depends. That's the beauty of this profession. It really depends on what they're bringing into the session, what their hopes, dreams, and wishes are, what their goals are, their functioning level, the style and approach of the art therapist that they're seeing, This art therapist may be a Jungian art therapist or a holistic art therapist or an eclectic or psychodynamic. So there's a number of factors that would inform what would happen in the first session. It's not rigid. It's not routine. It's extremely fluid and individualized. It's tailored to that particular person, group, couple, family, etc. How is color like a language? I had run across that phrase, I believe, on the Art Therapy Association website, and it just struck me as being an interesting concept that apparently the colors have their own expressive... Oh, oh how is... I thought you said colored. How is color like a language? Well, color is emotion. Whenever anyone adds color to a piece, they're adding their emotion, their feeling, their affect. And color is extremely personal. So there really is no recipe for colors, contrary to popular belief. For some people, red could be anger, but for other people, according to their cultural experiences and upbringing, red could be complete joy. So it really is extremely subjective, and you know how colors affect you in the world. Certain colors are very disturbing to some of us and comforting to others. So color is a big factor in the language of that individual that you're working with. Decades ago, a gentleman by the name of Marshall McLuhan said that the medium is the message when he was talking about mass media, and since that's my background, it kind of stuck with me. But I was also wondering if it was true in art therapy. Uh, For example, pounding on clay might be a type of anger management, or oil painting could be a type of mindfulness. Definitely. All of art therapy is a type of mindfulness because art requires present moment awareness and a certain quality of attention. And the media is important in art therapy very much because the art therapist is trained to select specific media designed to alleviate as much suffering for that individual as possible. So, for example, if I'm working with somebody who's extremely anxious, I would probably give them a pencil, at least initially, because that's the easiest medium to control, and it has an eraser. So it's a medium that does not require commitment, unlike a magic marker where you make a mark and it's there. You can try to cover it up, but it's much more of a commitment than, say, a pencil. A pencil brings the most amount of control possible. So media is extremely critical in this work, media selection, media usage. 
Is it about interpreting each individual work, or is there a developmental process involved with art therapy? One piece of art is very dangerous to interpret, and the art therapist does not interpret. The interpretation is done by the artist, by the person doing the art. They are the ones that can tell the story of the piece. No one else can. And the art therapist relies on a series of pieces because what you want to look for that would be significant to that person would be trends, placement, line quality, color usage, space usage, the weight of the lines. There's so many factors that go into if there's lines. I'm talking about a two-dimensional piece and three-dimensional. Certainly you want to look at also the process of the construction of the piece. The process is as important as the product. And the art therapist might point out to the individual something about the product or, or process that they want the individual to describe or share or maybe look at to help that person gain more insight into themselves. But the art therapist does not interpret the artwork. If I were to interpret the artwork, it would be about me and what I'm projecting into it. Many of us in the world can't help ourselves when we see something. We immediately judge it because of our own experience. And then the danger in art therapy would be, oh, if something looks depressing for, to me, that, that I would jump to the conclusion that the person that made it was depressed. That is not effective, as you can imagine, nor accurate necessarily. I would have to check with that individual and say, what is this piece about for you? Tell me the story as best you can. And I see symbols repeating over a series of pieces. I will note that and say, are these significant for you? I'm noticing that you have faces in each one of these pieces. Tell me about that. What do you think that says about you? The people that are not very verbal, you wouldn't obviously elicit that from them because they're not comfortable with it, but you would notice where the faces are or where the shapes are that recur. Also, we're trained to notice warning signs in the artwork, warning signs of high anxiety, signs of depression. There certainly are signs, signs of abuse, things that we need to note, and then we are responsible for certainly taking care with that information and finding more about it and exploring it with that individual or group. The Art Therapy Credentials Board is a separate entity from the Art Therapy Association, and it's the one that actually maintains the standards associated with the Art Therapy Credentials, the registered art therapist and the board-certified art therapist, isn't it? Correct. This training, as I've been describing to you from the responsibilities I've been sharing, is highly, highly specialized. It requires tremendous skill. It's tremendous rigor. People do not realize the rigorous nature of our training and of our work. We are dealing with material that is so sensitive and so delicate that we have to be highly trained and skilled to use it in the best possible way to help that person. So we don't take it lightly. There are individuals in the world that get very excited about what we do and they'll go to one workshop and they'll be thrilled and they may be trained counselors. However, without a degree in art therapy, you are not in a position to practice art therapy. People can use art in their work. That's done all the time because art is a wonderful vehicle for communication. However, the misunderstanding for the skills required to be an art therapist is something I really hope to clarify in this interview, how important it is that if you seek an art therapist, you want to make sure that they have the proper training, that they have the proper credentials, that they are a registered art therapist. They have A-T-R, 
after their name, and hopefully BC, which means board certified, which means that they took an additional exam to test their competency to practice with the public. You want to make sure that they graduated from an accredited university. You want to check with the American Art Therapy Association. You want to be very careful that you're not working with someone who's just calling themselves an art therapist without the training, without the credentials. Dr. Isis, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to talk with me about art therapy today. Anyone wanting to learn more about art therapy should visit the website for the American Art Therapy Association at www.arttherapy.org. And anyone wanting to learn more about Dr. Isis should visit her website at www.miamiarttherapy.com. You've been listening to the podcast edition of Unbreak Your Health, discovering the world of hope and health known as complementary and alternative medicine. I'll be back again next week with another edition. But to learn more about our guest today, please visit the podcast page at www.unbreakyourhealth.com. We'd love to hear from you about this program. Please send your questions and comments to info at unbreakyourhealth.com. This program is a joint production of Unbreak Your Health and Loving Healing Press. Thank you for listening. I'm Alan Smith, and I look forward to being with you again soon. 